Acts chapter 4. I hope that you found it. Let's go ahead and stand if you're able out of respect of God's Word. And we'll go ahead and get going this morning. Acts chapter number 4, in verse number 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levi in the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we're going to look at verse number 36. And here's this guy, his name was Joseph, or maybe in our vernacular we would call him Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which means he had a nickname. So here's this guy. His name was Joseph, and people called him Barnabas. And this morning we'll take a few minutes and figure out how in the world did he get this nickname. So the title of the message this morning is simply this, What's Your Nickname? What's Your Nickname? Or another title, What Are You Known For? What are you known for? Father, we sure do love you, and as we take a look at this guy named Joseph, whose nickname was Barnabas, we see as he was greatly used of you for his encouraging words, his encouraging actions that's found all through the book of Acts. Lord, I pray that you can show us on how we can be more like him, which is more Christ-like in being encouraging to others as well. Lord, I need your help. Fill me with the Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may take your seat. You know, nicknames are a funny thing. I grew up in the the big town of Lyford, Indiana. And Lyford, Indiana, where our church was at, literally, you go down this highway, you take a turn. If you blink, you could miss it. There's the church. There's the fire department. Lyford, Indiana. Okay, that's pretty much all that it has. And it has a few uh, houses and things as well. And so we had a pretty good-sized youth group considering where we were in America. We had about 30 in our youth group. And it seemed like every guy in our youth group was named Matthew. And so our nicknames oftentimes was Matt. So all of us were called Matt. And so it got very tricky. And there was at one time up to five or six of us that was named Matt. And so everybody got different nicknames in the youth group. So my name is Matt Downs. So my last name, they did a nick off that. And so a lot of people called me Downsy. Now, to this day, I still get that from old people that remember when I was called uh, Downsy. And uh, I had a guy, a friend of mine that um, works at the ranch, Tyler Thornton. He was in a missions conference. And somebody that knew me back in the day said, hey, you work at the ranch? You work with Downsy. And uh, Brother Tyler's like, huh? And he said, you don't call him Downsy? And he goes, well, he's my boss, so I call him Brother Matt. That's what I call him. He's like, oh, okay. And uh, anyway, it's just funny how long nicknames can travel. And uh, I sort of get stuck with that for some period of time. Well, there was another guy in our youth group, and his name was Matt Holyfield, so we called him Holyfield. There was another guy named Matt McBride, and he said, look, I want to be called Bake. And I thought, that is the weirdest nickname. And he told us to call him that. 
And we're like, why in the world do you want to be called Bake? Well, his little league coach said he reminded him of a third baseman from the St. Louis Cardinals, and his nickname was Bake. And so that's what I want to be called. And we're like, what a dumb nickname. That's what we thought. That's not what we said. Because he was six foot four and 300 pounds. And so I called him Mr. Bake um, because I was a little nervous about that. Well, there's another guy, and his name was Matt. And his name was Matt Athey. And so we gave him a good Christian nickname. We called him Atheist. And that's just what we called him. Hey, Atheist! You know, pass me the ball! That's what we did. And, and uh, I saw his dad years later. And we were in a church foyer. And I said, hey, Mr. Athey, how you doing? He said, oh, doing fine, Matt, doing fine. He's a little bit more subdued than me, right? Especially in church foyers. And I said, how's the old Atheist doing? I don't know what you mean. And I said, how's, how's Matthew? He's fine. Good. And uh, nicknames can travel. Well, there was a guy that was named Kurt in our youth group. And Kurt, you know, felt left out. He was the only Kurt in our youth group. And he wanted a nickname. And he said, I want you to name me Truck. Because that's Kurt spelled backwards. And I said, spell that for me. And he said, T-R-U-K. And we said, okay, we'll call you truck. That's, that's fine. And so there's a lot of people in my life that had different nicknames. My dad was a guy that gave a lot of nicknames to people. I, I didn't know his friends by their real names. I knew them by their nicknames. So he'd get home from work and he'd start talking to me about different people. Have you ever showed up at a place and somebody just walks up to you, and they say, do you remember me? Oh, man. I get haunted by that sometimes. Because maybe I meet you here, but then I see you at the ranch. Or maybe I meet you at the ranch, and I, I see you at your church, and, and I don't connect it very well. And so we are at this covered bridge festival. And as we were at this festival, this guy walks up to me, and he said, Matt Downs! Matt! I said, hey. He said, you remember me? I said, I want to. Help me out. And he said, I'm Larry. You know, Larry. Okay. Hey, Larry. He said, I, come on, I was your dad's best friend. Well, my dad passed away years ago, and dad picked up several best friends after he died. Okay, so I get a lot of people that tells me they were their dad, my dad's best friend. And I said, okay, well, help me out a little bit more than that, Larry. He goes, I rode to work every day with your dad. Oh, Larry, okay. He goes, come on. I'm Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes! Well, Looney Tunes was a part of the family, you know, and so I knew him. I just never knew Looney Tunes had a real name. Well, I was talking about Looney Tunes at a church, and as I was talking about it, there was a gentleman that was there that worked with my dad. And so he walked up to me and he said, hey, do you know how Looney Tunes got his nickname? And I said, did he like Bugs Bunny, you know, or Tasmanian Devil or something like that? Is that the deal? And he said, no, let me tell you the story. He said, Larry was going down the highway and he was speeding. And as he was speeding down the highway, he got caught by the police. And so he pulled over on the side of the road, 
And he looked over and he saw his son's water pistol was there. And back in the 1900s, fake guns looked like real guns, okay? And so he grabbed the water pistol and he thought, this is going to be good. (laughs) So he grabbed the water pistol and the police officer came up to his door and he said, stick him up! (laughs) Well, the police officer was a large fellow, meaning muscular. And this was before you had to wear seatbelts, okay? So he grabbed Larry, he pulled him through the window of the car, and he put him on the pavement and handcuffed him, and Larry spent the night in jail that night. And that's how he got the nickname, Looney Tunes. Well, there is some of those things that happen in your life, and that's how you got that nickname. There is a counselor, I think, in right now, and and he got the nickname because he always spilled stuff. And uh, we called him certain nicknames. There's just always these things that can happen in our life and you get stuck with it for a long time. Then there's nicknames that are terms of endearment. So we hear that. You're around married folk or people that act like they're married. And um, as they're walking by and things, you're like, hey, Shug. <laughs> hey, honey. Right? What is that? That is a term of endearment, and that's how they got the nickname. Well, with this guy named Joseph who got the nickname Barnabas, it is a term of endearment. He was always being an encouragement to God's people when we find him in the scriptures. I started thinking about how he got that nickname, and I started thinking of that word encouragement. What what does it mean to encourage someone? This is pretty deep, so hang on. To encourage someone is to put Courage into someone. Aren't you glad you came to chapel? (laughs) But think about it. When you see Barnabas mentioned in the Bible, he was putting courage into God's people to do what is right. Are you an encouragement? Are you putting courage into God's people? Well, let me ask you this. Are you a discouragement? Do you take courage away from God's people to do what's right. Is it easy to be around you and do right? Or do you make it hard on people to do right? Are you an encouragement or are you a discouragement? Well, we're going to take a look on how Barnabas was an encouraging kind of person. Have you ever heard the phrase Murphy's Law? Have you ever met somebody that's really good at saying Murphy's Law kind of statements? How many of you know who Eeyore is, right? Eeyore is like Murphy's Law kind of guy, the donkey there. And Murphy's Law is whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Aren't those people a blessing? You know, something happens, well, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I'll tell you that right now. You know, in order to get a loan, you got to first prove you don't need a loan. You know, every time I go to Walmart, the checkout line that I'm not in goes faster. You know, people that say these nice little digs all the time. Well, I don't think Barnabas was the kind of person that was a Murphy's Law kind of Christian, always giving out discouraging words. No, he was always putting courage into God's people to do right. So let's see how he got his nickname. Number one 
is because he was doing right. Let's look back in our text in Acts chapter number 4. In Acts chapter number 4, we find that he's a part of this early church and the early church was doing great things. Acts 4.32, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. So the early church that Barnabas was a part of, they all had unity. They had unity. They had unity and it doesn't really make sense. They just... They gave everything that they had to the church and everything was fine and they got along and it was a great church to be a part of. He was a part of that church. Not only did the early church have unity, but the early church had power. Look at verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Pastor Dave Hardy gave this definition of grace years ago that stuck with me. It's the power and ability to do right. I want the kind of God's grace upon me that gives me the power and ability to do right. And that's what this church had. It had unity and it had the power of God upon them. And that's where I want to be. You see also that they were blessed of God. Look at verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. It doesn't even make sense. They're getting along and they're giving everything back to the church. God impressed on them to sell their property, give it over to the church. And God kept blessing them. They didn't lack a thing, but they didn't own anything. How awesome is that? So we find that uh, Barnabas was a part of that church because we find that Barnabas, he was a giver himself. Look at verse number 37. Talking about Barnabas, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Not only was Barnabas a giver, he followed through on what he said he was going to give. If you read on in Acts chapter number 5, Of course, you know the story about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they had a property they were privy to and they sold it and they maybe got a good deal on that land and they decided they're just going to keep part of it for themselves and give the rest of it to the church. Now, nowadays, that'd be a big thing. The problem was is that they lied about it, right? And judgment came upon them because they acted like they were giving their all, but they're keeping a portion back. Look, that's not how Barnabas was. He was a giver and he followed through on what he said he was going to give. Let me ask you something. Are you just a giver of words or do you follow through on your words? I meet a lot of college kids that know what to say and they know how to act and they keep saying, I'll be there for you. I'll help you, brother. I'll help you move. I'll help you clean the church. And then when it comes time to help move or clean the church, where are they? Crickets. They know how to talk a good game, but can you follow through on your talking? Barnabas was the kind of person, when you see him, by God's grace in his life, he was constantly just doing what is right. So convicting to me. So number one, he got his nickname by doing right. Number two, by telling others to do right. By telling others to do right. Look at Acts chapter number 11. Would you turn there? 
Acts chapter number 11, and uh, take a look at verse number 19. Acts chapter number 11, and verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these came, came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and the faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had brought them, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So he was an encouragement by doing right, but secondly, by telling others to do right. One thing that is very convicting to me is that he rejoiced over sinners that was saved. In verse number 23, who when he came and seen the grace of God, was glad, was glad. You know, we're getting in a bad spot, we as God's people, when we hear of God's working. And we're so quick to be Murphy's Law kind of Christians and not just to be glad to hear what's going on. I, I understand we can hear things and sort of wonder or wonder about maybe that preacher or those kinds of things. I understand that. But what is your first reaction when you hear, you wouldn't believe this, we had a great Sunday there were some people that came that were visitors. They came out of nowhere and the whole family trust in Christ and they were gloriously saved. Isn't that awesome? What's the first thing that comes in your mind? Well, I hope they mean it. Really? I hear that from God's people. Did you hear all the teenagers that got saved? At this youth rally, it was awesome. Hope they meant it. Let me ask you something. Did you mean it? And we just trusted that you meant it. You say you're saved. I'm going to take you at your word. You're saved. I'll, I'll do that for you. Why can't you do it for the visitor? I understand that you need to make sure it's clear. I understand that maybe, I don't know if they understood all the way. And I understand. But what is your first reaction? Why can't we say something like this? Amen, that is awesome. Why can't we say, praise the Lord, that's wonderful to hear. That is great. He simply rejoiced over sinners that was saved. Then we find in verse number 26, he taught them to live for God after that. You know, people right when they get saved don't know how to act. We find here that they were called Christians first, but they didn't know what they were supposed to do. And oftentimes, that's the case. Let me tell you something. When I got saved... I really got saved. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, mission conference, no matter what, I was there. And you know why? My mom made me. I'm thankful for it. And even though I didn't feel like going to church, I had a mom that said, I don't care how you're feeling, get in the car, you're going to church. I had someone to teach me. 
There is so many people that trust in Christ to be saved. They don't know what the next step is. Don't write them off and say, well, they didn't mean it. They, were, they didn't get baptized and they haven't been in church, you know, nine weeks in a row. So I guess they're not Christians. No, come on. Don't write people off. They need to get taught. They need to be taught how to be a Christian and how to live for the Lord and how to grow in Him. They saw these people get saved. They're like, we need help. Who can we call? You know who we can call. Let's call Barnabas and see if he can help us out. And he was there, not for a Sunday. He was there for a year teaching them on how to be a Christ follower. So what's your nickname? What are you known for? We find that Barnabas, he was an encouragement because he was always doing right. Secondly, by telling others to do right. And thirdly, by getting others involved in ministry. By getting others involved in ministry. Look at Acts chapter number 9. Would you look at that? Acts chapter number 9. And take a look at verse number 26. Acts chapter number 9. In verse number 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And believing not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You see, Barnabas was the person that encouraged the church. We need to use this guy named Saul. I see potential in him. I'll have him come with me. We read in Acts chapter number 11, before he took off, he grabbed Paul, then Saul, to go help him teach in Antioch. Now, I can understand while the early church was nervous about using Saul. Couldn't you? I mean, if we just think about it. This guy says he's born again. This guy says he's saved. You know what he did to my brother? Do you not remember what happened to Stephen? He was throwing women and men in jail for professing Jesus Christ. I think he's a spy. And he's going to find out where we all are. Then he's going to throw us all in jail. Or he's going to stone us all. I'm nervous about him. I can understand their nervousness this morning. But I love what Barnabas did. He said, I see potential. I think God can use them. And so he started using them. And we know the rest of the story on how much God used the Apostle Paul. You see, I've realized some things in my ministry. I'm probably not going to be a famous TV evangelist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't get this face and get on television. I probably won't be able to speak to the millions. I can't be used like the Apostle Paul was used. But I tell you one thing. I can be a Barnabas. The people I come in contact with, the, the Christians that I'm with, I can put courage into God's people to do what is right. And that's what I need to be. Because the fact of the matter is, we all can be a part of this. You know, when I look at my life, I see so many people that were a Barnabas to me. 
And if you just stop and think about it, how in the world did, he, did you show up here in Bible college? You know why? Because you've had a Barnabas in your life. You had someone that said, you know what? Why don't you consider going to ambassador? And for some of you, you're like, this dude's crazy. There's no way. This lady's nuts. They see that kind of potential in me. But you kept growing and you kept going to church and you kept getting encouraged. And here you are right now. Why is that? Because there was a Barnabas that loved on you, that put courage into you to do what is right. I'm so thankful that I had a Barnabas as my pastor in my life. Pastor Scott Combs, he's the pastor of Lifeford Bible Baptist Church for over 35 years. And I remember just as a young kid, he would want us to get involved in ministry. And it made me so nervous. I was like, are you serious? He wants me to do that? And he kept on letting me do more for vacation Bible school until finally the day came. I was just a young teenager. Matt, you're preaching at vacation Bible school. I said, Pastor Combs, I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if I'm called to preach. He said, I didn't ask you that. I'm telling you, you're preaching in vacation Bible school and you're going to preach 15 minutes and you're going to preach on blind Bartimaeus. You get it ready. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh boy. Well, let me go find where blind Bartimaeus is in the Bible. <laughs> so I finally found it. We didn't have internet back then. You know what I'm saying? So I had to use something called a book. So I had to look it through, try to be able to find it, was able to find it. Have you ever read the story of blind Bartimaeus? The dude was blind. He met Jesus. He's healed. (laughs) Blind Bartimaeus. How can anybody go 15 minutes on that? I thought, wow. What am I going to do? Well, I got pointers, you know, preach in a mirror. Have you ever done that? That That is terrible. Then um, they said, well, maybe you could preach to, you know, stuffed animals and things. And so I got my sister's stuffed animals and laid them out, and it went pretty well. There was two cabbage patches that trusted Christ afterwards. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, was, I was like, I think I'm ready. I got up to about seven minutes, and I thought to myself, when I get in front of people, I'll think of more things to say. So let me tell you about my sermon of Blind Bartimaeus. I got in front, and I had to preach to the guys, and then I had to preach to the girls. And I said, how many of you have ever been blind before? Raise your hand. (laughs) Not too many of you. (laughs) How many of you ever closed your eyes? Okay, many more. Okay. (laughs) Close your eyes. That's like how blind Bartimaeus was. His eyes were closed all the time because he was blind. Okay, then he met Jesus and Jesus had him see. So now open your eyes. See, that's what happened to blind Bartimaeus. And maybe you're here and you know that you're going to hell. You can be saved today. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. So back in those days, we recorded on something called a cassette tape. Maybe you heard of those before. My mom wanted her baby's first sermon recorded. My buddy, it was in the back, he hit play and record. He went and got a drink of water. He came back and I was an invitation. <laughs> Two minutes. Two minutes is all I went. Have you ever felt like you just, 
bombed it. That you were just awful. And there was nowhere to go except Pastor Combs' office. Nobody was there. And I went and sat at the burgundy leather chair that every pastor had that era, it seemed like. And I sat down and I thought, oh, man, I got to do this again. Oh. And then I felt Pastor Combs' hand on my shoulder. And he said, Matt, how did you think you did? It was bad. It was real bad. You want to hear what I think? Oh, boy, here it comes. There's one thing I love about Pastor Combs. You know what he thinks. You know what I'm saying? He said, I think you are awesome. I said, do what? He goes, I've heard many sermons on blind Bartimaeus, but I never heard anybody get to the point as quick as you did. (laughs) Well, there's something that happened inside of me. And it was called courage. And I started feeling that courage come up inside me. And I said, you know what, Pastor Combs? That's the kind of preacher that I am. None of this fluff stuff. I just lay it all on the line. And he got me so fired up, I went out and I preached two and a half minutes. The next year, he asked me again. I went five minutes. The next year, he asked me again, glutton for punishment, seven minutes. The next year, 15 minutes, and he started telling me about follow the program downs, don't go over. And that's what people's been saying to me ever since, all right? But I'm so thankful Pastor Combs was a Barnabas in my life. You know, he still is. He is a pastor emeritus now. His son took over for the pastorate at Lifeford Bible Baptist Church, Pastor Jeremy Combs. We were there in March, and as we're there for revival meetings, before we got there, Pastor Combs was dealing with a lot of health issues, and we thought we were going to lose him. For many years now, his heart has been at like 16%. They say now it's around 10. And we thought he could go at any time, but we decided to go ahead and have the revival meeting. After we got done Sunday morning, we walked to his house. We all sang hymns to him because he wasn't able to get out of his chair. We prayed that God would do a miracle and spare his life and let him stay longer. Pastor Combs is still with us today. Do you ever Facebook stalk church services? I feel like that's okay to do. And so I always check in and see how pastor's doing it. Lifeford Bible Church to see what's going on. And a couple Sundays ago, on a Sunday night, I heard Pastor Combs preach. And I thought, you know, I wonder if he just did a short devotional or whatever, that's fine. No, he let it rip like he always does, 45 minutes, and that's short for him. And he was, again, an encouragement to me. Though no matter what, all his days, he's going to live for Christ. That's what I want. So let me ask you this morning, what are you known for? Are you known for just complaining about things? Are you known for just being upset about rules? Are you known for being depressing all the time or being an emotional person or any of those kinds of things? Wouldn't it be awesome if we would all just say, I want to be like a Barnabas. 
The Lord Jesus used him greatly by putting courage into God's people to do what's right. Father, we sure do love you. And we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, there are some people here today that need to make the decision to be a Barnabas. To say, I'm going to be more of an encouragement to the people that are around me. Lord, there's some people here, they can't be a Barnabas because they're not living right right now. So Lord, I pray that we'll draw closer to you during this time. We'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.